right, and welcome back to another iteration of this little game study podcast we're doing as an additional show to the Forever Classic Podcast. I'm Alex McCumbers, and today it's all about zombies, the dark, and remakes, surprisingly. But today we're talking about Resident Evil 2, the 2019 remake of an iconic classic in the survival horror genre. And I couldn't think of anybody else on the team who would really, like, significantly add to this conversation more than Mr. Reese. Reese, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm ready to talk your ear off about Resident Evil 2, because one of my favorite games. It's honestly one of my favorite in the franchise, and I really like this franchise, and we'll we'll talk about, like, you know, why we came to it. But so, basically, for anybody unaware, like, Reese is a huge part of what we're doing, especially on the YouTube side at Forever Classic Games, so this might be the first time you're hearing him. But he's been, we've been at this together for probably about six or seven months now, just forever yeah, classic. Seven months. And then prior to that, we met through the Black Ice Esports stuff and also did some really fantastic work there. So if you go looking for uh, either Black Ice Esports or Forever Classic Games, there's a really good chance that Reese did the editing or the thumbnail for that. And then you've also been on youtube for a while now so introduce yourself a little bit let's let's talk you up to our listeners today all right uh yeah i'm i'm reese uh i run a channel called reset it was also formerly known as dynamite penguins it's uh it's a channel been running for over a decade now just covering different like game stuff i've recently done a lot of video essays also i've done a lot of like stop motion animation all all kinds of stuff just really like games and kind of sharing my passion for them in different ways. The the stop motion pieces were always what really like impressed me the most as far as just the level of creativity and and honestly just the reception of it. Like some of those videos have multiple millions of hits. And like I I ran a YouTube channel fucking, you know, 10 years ago coming out of college. And so I I totally get the like the mindset of of trying to figure out like what you're even doing. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a, definitely a process, just coming up with ideas and then just being surprised when people actually kind of receive it well. Yeah, that's got to be super encouraging. I mean, you were, what, 17 when you made those? Yeah, a lot of those, sometimes younger. I was I think I, was, I started the channel once, like, 11, so I was Whoa. just making some, some screwing around making some videos, and then some of them took off, and suddenly I started getting checks in the mail. I'm like, okay. I could do this instead of the usual maybe minimum wage job that I would start working at <laughs> around my age. <laughs> so That's really, really cool, man. So my first um, job was working independently, so that was cool. That's such a, a cool little just like piece of your history. And obviously we're gonna take that as far as we can because you know, you're hanging out with us at Forever Classic Games. You've done some really excellent review work, I gotta say. Like I have edited for a lot of people over the years. Not nearly as many as, you know, some of my other editor colleagues, but, like, it did not take long for you to, like, get settled in and then be really effective at just the the writing structure. So, anytime I edit your stuff, I'm like, this is going to be easy. Like, 20 minutes, do this, do that, fix the thing here, and I'm done, ready to go. Like, it's it's really encouraging for me as somebody who, like, has been mentoring a lot of people and, and trying to, like you know, work around my own uh, weaknesses and that sort of thing. Yeah, well, really appreciate that. Yeah, I kind of kind of wrote a lot of wrote a lot for a lot of videos and I have a lot of video essays, but definitely uh, kind of changing into the style was kind of just 
the biggest thing. I probably needed a few reviews till it actually felt like a review and not me just doing my video essay thing where I go over every little detail. Right, right. Kind of had to tell myself, all right, that doesn't need to be in the review. That's that's like you're getting into the very analytical. This is probably the best advice that I've ever gotten as a writer. I forget who told me this. Maybe even one of the editors I had in college or something or like a senior classmate or whatever. A senpai, if you will. <laughs> uh, he was just like, at a certain point, you just got to leave it alone. Like it's done. You did the work. Let it loose. Pull that ripcord and see what happens. And so for me, somebody who's always like iterating with things, this is why you don't see a lot of my like creative writing work existing in the space yet, uh, is because I just am always tinkering with things, right? And so this is also why we have multiple people working on editing the podcast still, because I, I get into real nitty gritty of it and I make sure things sound as good as I can make them. The amount of times I've sat writing a paragraph for uh, an uncomfortably long amount of time is... Uh, yep. I feel like I have rewritten the same sentence like seven times, and it probably sounds about the same each time I've wrote it. But <laughs> yeah, now I'm happy with it for some reason. <laughs> I, it's something about being in the game space, especially where I'm like, all right, I have like a day or two to write a thing. It's done. Goodbye. That's really encouraging, I think, because you get to see like the immediate effects. And even if it's it's like a piece that went out and nobody read it, at the end of the day, it's another notch in your belt because it's yeah. a thing you did that you can point to. And that's what I appreciate most about like this particular side of uh, games media. Oh, yeah. Definitely just be able to create something, get some instant feedback mm -hmm. is it, really, it's real, always feels really good versus God making, even just going back to making some animations. Yeah, it's, it definitely feels good to like put something out there, but also... <laughs> It's like three months of your life and you put it out and it's like, man, I wish that was a little <laughs> more instantaneous gratification than. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into uh, just Resident Evil in general. I'm really curious to know how you got into this franchise because I am very much aware that you're probably a bigger fan than I am. So like, how did you get into shooting zombies? Okay. Well, this might sound crazy, but I had not played a Resident Evil game till last year. Yo, I didn't, play, I didn't play any of them. That's incredible. Uh, so my uh, one of my brothers had a copy of uh, two remake and I I picked it up. I was getting footage. I just liked when I was doing video essays. I liked having B-roll for anything. So I just yeah. captured footage for everything. So I just go into RE2. I'm not a horror game guy at the time. So I just play RE2, go into the gas station at the very beginning of the game the first zombie is, is too scary for me. I can't, I can't handle it. And I, uh, I get killed and I'm like, turn the game off. That's it. And it, uh, so it kind of became a running gag in my friend group that like I got, I get killed by the gas station zombie, the very first zombie and I can't even handle it. So eventually, uh, over the holiday I got just last year, I got, well not last year now, two years ago, I got Resident Evil 2 cause I asked for it. I'm like, I'm going to get rid of this running joke and I'm going to beat the whole game. So I beat the whole game and then I did it again and again and I kept speed running it. I'm like, I really enjoy this. And I ended up just kind of binging the rest of the series over the course of like a year. So I played one remake, three remake, played four, five, six, regrettably, seven, eight, zero. And I think that's all I've played so far. Oh, I played... The original one. Still got to play a few, but I pretty much have run, speed ran the entire uh, 
Resident Evil series in like a year, and now I'm kind of a quickly made super fan. Yeah. So what's interesting <laughs> to me is I went into this thinking like, oh, he really likes Resident Evil and has played two a lot. But the great irony is that you're the perfect person to talk to about this because this is the game that got you into the series. Oh, yeah. Recently. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was. I mean, it wasn't even just Resident Evil, but I didn't like horror games like at all. And th- uh-huh. This game made me a horror game fan. I So aside playing... from Resident Evil, what else you play? Because I know you at least are interested in Dead Space. Uh, Yeah, I just picked up Dead Space. I played uh, Eternal Darkness on the GameCube. That's a really okay. weird, yeah. pretty obscure one. I played recently played Outlast, so I've kind of just been getting into the horror genre because of this game. That's really cool, because I had a very similar situation happen to me with Resident Evil 4 on the PS2 when I was in high school. A friend of mine was like, you gotta play this, man. We swap games a lot as, as a kid. And so he's like, you don't understand. Like, you need to play this, and I think you're really gonna like it. And so I have distinct memories of starting and stopping this game for the course of like a month or two. And it got to a point where like I was so deeply invested in what was going on, but so terrified to move forward. And then eventually, you know, you you beat it and then you're like, I could beat that again. And this time I got the new weapon or whatever. Or I'm going to do these extra chapters. The PS2 version of that game is fantastic because there's a lot of extras afterwards. Which is my favorite aspect of the Resident Evil series, generally. Um, but, like, being able to to kind of overcome that initial fear, but recognizing that fear, and then chasing that, right? Like, because after Resident Evil 4, there was a, a time where I, like, explored this genre and was like, oh, okay, when Resident Evil 5 comes out, I want that. So I got it, like, day one at midnight at GameStop, right, for my 360. And yeah. I've been absolutely in love with the series ever since. There was just kind of this thing, I mean, not only Resident Evil, but like no horror game experience. It was just kind of this great experience of just overcoming the fear, beating it, but then not only just beating it, but beating it into the ground yes. and replaying it again and again until I could absolutely just destroy this game that made me want to piss myself originally. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still like, I, I played a little bit of RE2 Remake leading up to this mostly as like an excitement thing for Resident Evil 4 remake which as of this recording is coming like within the next couple days check out foreverclassicgames.com for a lot of really cool content the youtube is going to have some really cool stuff and already has a couple videos on RE4 um but i i recently played the VR version on MetaQuest and i was like this is sick and then they were like hey we're also putting the VR version of RE4 remake on PlayStation VR and i'm like uh oh now i need one of those <laughs> But it's it's really fascinating because, like, being able to beat something that effectively is very much encouraged in Resident Evil. And I would say that it's maybe one of the first games to, like, reward speedrunning in such a, like, uh, significant way. Because a lot of these games, when you beat it at a certain time, it's not like in Metroid where you get to see maybe a little more skin of Samus, which we all adore and love, but um, you get like an infinite rocket launcher or a new costume or like a Tommy gun or, you know, what? It, like you're given just more toys to play with, which is always what really appealed to me about these games because I love unlocking things. Oh, yeah, definitely just going through the checklist and seeing all the different ways it wants me to beat the game. Like, don't open the item box for the entire game. Don't yeah. use any herbs don't run around for this long obviously just beat it in a certain time frame 
Like, all these things were just like, I love an excuse, just quickly run through it again. There are a few franchises that encourage replayability, like Resident Evil, and I think that's super commendable and a core part of this franchise, which is why I think RE3 didn't hit as well, because it was lacking a lot of that. Uh, well, you mean, like, the remake? Yeah, the remake specifically. Well, I actually, I kind of disagree with that. I think... Really? I think think that did a pretty good job with it. I know... People usually, the reception of that game is pretty mixed, uh, especially... Now, have they added additional scenarios or something since I played it? Because I played it at launch. Uh, no, it's still it's okay. still just Jill. I think the replayability from that game is the... They have, like, a currency system from for, like, uh-huh. the achievements. Yep. And you can, like, buy stuff, like, you can get some key items ahead of time. You can buy different, like, weapons. Oh. So, and, like, different items that will, like, increase your health, defense, and all that. And, like, your okay. dodge. So you'd kind of play it, get a bunch of points, and probably go into it with maybe early key items, a stronger moves and attacks, and maybe better guns. And right. I, I found that a lot of fun to just go through it again with better stuff, get more points, go through it again, and you just progressively get more powerful each run through, almost like a roguelite. Okay. Yeah, I can see. I can see your reasoning here. Yep. So, so it's not. It's replayable for pretty different reasons, but I found the system right. to be pretty fun even if there are a lot of other issues people have with the re3 remake gotcha well let's let's really so that's how uh we kind of give some credence to what we're talking about here today again we are talking about resident evil 2 remake the 2019 release that was available on pretty much everything this is a monumental release in the franchise and follows a, a equally monumental release in the source material right and so let's uh let's go into a little bit about the history of the game. So Resident Evil 2 came out in 1998 on the PlayStation and it did fairly well. It sold, you know, multiple millions of copies. But what makes it kind of interesting to me from just a PlayStation standpoint is that first game was really like something special. Like it specifically created the the term survival horror right on the back of the box. It is a game that went on to inspire countless copycats and people iterating on that style of game. And so by the time you get to Resident Evil 2, they really wanted to do something like that would push that design forward. And and so what they ended up doing was they created this two-disc game. You much like in the remake, you play as Leon one way and then Claire the other way, or you can play as Claire first and then do Leon. And so you would see, you know, similar scenes from different angles or come across different key items at certain times. And so it was a really like for the time, a a, a game that hit above what you expected with it, especially for the genre, which was starting to pick up by that point. And Capcom made a bunch of these, right? They made Resident Evil 3. They had the infamous uh, Resident Evil 1.5. There was the director's cut. That 1.5 was never released, but it's an interesting like historical piece. And if you're interested, do a quick Google search of that. It's really fascinating. So the game went on to sell about 11 million copies. It's been ported to a lot of different things. Most interestingly, Resident Evil 2 is playable on the N64. Yeah. In its entirety on a single cartridge. That's just insane. And it's it was done by a company called Angel Studios based on what I was looking up. I remember this coming out and being like, well, what's it missing? Because I, I was really into the PlayStation. I loved my Final Fantasies, which had multiple discs. And I'm like, I'm pretty certain you're not going to be able to fit all this on here. Even my dumb little like 10-year-old mind was like, I don't know how this is going to work, man. But they did. And it works 
fairly well. Like, it's got all the stuff. I even played this version myself, but I have played the original PS1 version. I even streamed it, I think, actually, um, on the Forever Classic channel years ago when I was really into classic horror stuff. And so, like, it's fascinating to see just how far we've come. Yeah, I believe the way they pulled that off, I think I watched a video on it, was they obviously compressed all the, like, cutscenes. Right. But then they took, they sliced like frames it was they took out like every other frame and just like did two frames for each frame so they lowered the frame rate of the cutscenes and just compressed the heck out of them until that didn't take up because i'm pretty sure that was what took up just the majority of the memory space yep. with just like probably a couple minutes of cutscenes yeah both capcom and square enix were really like pushing the envelope for uh the cutscene side of cd-rom tech right like especially square enix even to this day, there's scenes that are on a Final Fantasy game that just look stunning because yeah. of the amount of, like, effort they put into it. I mean, them them being so, like, closely associated with PlayStation is partly because Nintendo went with cartridges instead of the discs that could really right. really push forward what they were trying to do with those games. Yeah, and, and that's the... This type of mentality, like, this design of a survival horror game really carried Capcom clear into the ps2 because a lot of projects either start as a resident evil game and then get turned into something else like a devil may cry or even the yeah. onimusha series but that same kind of like design philosophy is palpable in a lot of other titles and that's it's fascinating when you're just playing it because you feel it like going from resident evil 2 to onimusha 1 i was like oh of course these are the same people like i get what how this works and why it's cool and how it's different definitely have you ever seen this tiger game version of resident evil 2 the which version it's it's a handheld pda i owned one of these for a while i think i eventually sold it but it the reason i bought it was because it was like 15 bucks and I'm like, that's stupid. And then somebody's like, we got Resident Evil 2 for it. And I'm like, give me that shit. <laughs> so I spent like $40, I think, total at a, a good friend of mine's old GameStop. Shout outs to, to my buddy Casey. But that particular game like was just a fascination and it was a collector's piece for me for a while. And it's it's a weird one. I think the person that covers this best, if you want some really cool like supplementary material, is uh, Derek and Grace over at Stop Skeletons from Fighting. They cover Resident Evil exceptionally well, but they do a great job about this Tiger Gamecom thing. Yeah, it, I, it's I didn't weird, even know man. that existed. <laughs> I think there is even a Game Boy Color version or two of some of these Resident Evil games. Like, they tried to put it on a lot of different places. Yeah. And so eventually, you know, this led to the estimated... Now, this doesn't, I don't think, account for, like, ports on PS3 and stuff, but... About 11 million copies for Resident Evil 2. That's, that's, that's a pretty good size as far as... You know, sales at the time, especially. Yeah. So this eventually turned into a lot of different ports. You've got, you know, the Dreamcast version. It got PC, um, or at least Windows. I don't know if it's available on Steam in its classic form. But so there's like this legacy, right, of Resident Evil. And so at some point, Capcom were doing a lot of different ports on the GameCube, making a lot of different GameCube games. Eventually, they remade the original game with a whole new graphical style of completely different like aesthetics and feel and i think ultimately that's what led to what we have now which is these really big super scary versions um with modern hardware and the re engine and all this but i think a lot of that started with that first resident evil remake so you've played the the resident evil one remake i've played most of that on ps4 and then all of it on the ds of all things oh wow <laughs> And the core DNA is there, man. Like, it's it's so weird, but 
the way that Capcom specifically elevated the original Resident Evil with that remake is astounding. Oh, yeah. And what's really just crazy looking at that is like, we see a lot of remakes that are coming out like a decade or so after, and people are like, with The Last of Us, like, this is really soon to make the remake. Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't doesn't look like you graphically jumped that much, with which I agree with. But right. uh, you look at the release date for the original Resident Evil and the remake, it's only like six years. It's just mm-hmm. insane how much those jumped. The fidelity that they were able to squeeze into that original GameCube release is wild. And that's oh, yeah. why like when they made the, the HD version of that, they didn't seemingly have to change a lot. But it, oh, looks, no. it, it looks amazing fine. from an artistic standpoint. Like it's no matter how you play that remake, it's really, really cool. Funny story about the remake though. Uh, so me and my stepbrother Marshall, who's been on the podcast before, check out our Final Fantasy VII remake deep dive. Um, so me and Marshall spent a lot of time gaming together in our teenage years, and we really like noticed that both of us were super into like Capcom stuff. So we're like, well, let's let's pick up some more Resident Evil stuff. We both like Resident Evil Four. This game's awesome, and so we picked up the the Wii version of the Resident Evil One remake and could not figure out how to move and took it back. <laughs> And the great irony is both of us adore that game now and this franchise. So, like, we just didn't get it. The tank controls didn't make any sense to us. Yeah, I mean, definitely take getting used to. But mm-hmm. once you kind of get into them, they, they, once, you, once you start working, you'll realize why they're there and how they kind of play into what the game is trying to do. Yeah, I don't mind it, man. I think it's fine. Like, if like I, I play the remake, which you can you can do a different control scheme now, there's a couple different options, but you can play in the tank controls. I just play in the tank controls, usually. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm fine with them. I played a lot of the games with them, but I'm, I wouldn't be mad at anyone if they're like, I can't play this. I, yeah, it's, no, it it's, it's, makes sense. <laughs> it's different. It's different from what people are used to now, so. So they're, after kind of the, like, this re-renaissance of Capcom, which was really kind of like spearheaded by the original release of Resident Evil 4, which completely changed the game for the franchise and for video games in general. That's where we started to see like the third-person shooter really come into into shape, and RE4 is a big part of that. Oh yeah, I mean the the whole style of game, like because I I only recently got into these games, it was just kind of a that that aha moment where you kind of mm-hmm. realize so much of what I've been playing for over a decade kind of dates back to this game i love doing that type of thing like whenever i'm talking to a developer and they're like oh i got this really specific mechanic from this like super obscure super nintendo game i'm like i'm gonna go play that and i that's a really fun exercise for me i do the same thing in most media like me and my partner have been reading a lot of Dune because Dune is also another thing that builds off to a lot of other things. And so now that we've read three books of Dune and watched the movie and, you know, watched the the David Lynch version and all this stuff, like you start seeing that DNA in everything. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. But so Capcom had this weird period right around after Street Fighter 4 kind of got big. And you could probably mark this specifically with the release of DMC Devil May Cry, which people like in hindsight, but certainly were mad about it at the time. I think it sold well enough. And Resident Evil 6. So those two releases, I think, really mark the, like, probably one of, some of the lowest moments in Capcom's development and publishing history. But following that, and it's funny because Resident Evil 6 was 
until very recently, one of their most profitable video game releases. Oh, yeah. And so it was, was like five. number three or something. Like, maybe even number one and, until Monster Hunter came out. But anyway, so... Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was five and six were, like, at the top for Monster yeah. Hunter. Yeah, six so sold like way better than you would think. <laughs> yeah, so while while the reception and, like, among fans isn't very high, like, in right. terms of sales, they... It kind of what they did. Their strategy was working. Oh yeah, I think they might they might have just kept going along with that. But they. I they wonder didn't. how much of those sales were just hey we got Leon back. <laughs> yeah, remember this guy? That's it's, a weird game. It's can't like, pick a character, so here's every character. Yeah, it's surprisingly innovative in very specific and weird ways. Like I love playing Mercenaries mode in RE6. That shit's great. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I hear most about. It's just the combat's very good and people yeah. enjoy that. But just the the, the games the game's too structured. long. The game's yeah. too long. There's too many it's like too many characters or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah, because when I marathoned all the games, I I I I had six for last. I waited yeah. to play six, so I played all the other like numbered entries. And I was now. Have like, you done Code Veronica? Because that's been staring me down for years. No, I okay. I haven't played that one yet, but I know it's on PlayStation Plus, which I have. So I I've been meaning to play that one soon because yep. that I guess that's the last one I have to play. That's Considered a mainline entry? Yeah, I played the first maybe two or three hours on the Dreamcast once. That's a really cool game that I can't wait to sit down and go back to. And honestly, that might be the first thing I install onto my Steam Deck whenever it comes in. Yeah, so still got to play that. Maybe that one will get a remake as well. I hope, <laughs> if knows? they're going to do a remake, that makes the most sense. Like if, if yeah. they do another one, which based on the numbers, we well, can probably assume. I've, I've been wondering if they'll just remake the first one again. But like with this in new the, style, in the current mm-hmm. style, just because they already have two, three, and four, I feel like it's kind of weird that they have the original trilogy. Yeah, but the first remake is the pretty normal. Yeah, it's different. Camera angles to this, and like, tilt, new thing. Not tilt controls, that tank controls. So but maybe so anyways, they'll go through the, that. Uh, the the thing that really kind of marks this like jump in quality because Capcom has been on a tear for the past like eight or nine years is the release and the production of Resident Evil Seven. Which is very much inspired by like American horror cinema. We're talking Evil Dead, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They're like, we want to scare people again, and then they made it a Resident Evil game, and it works, right? Like, I would say that RE Seven has a lot of DNA of the original game, and if you play both next to each other, you can really feel that. But so what they did was they had all these different outsourcing studios, right? And this is how things kind of got like muddied. So they had a lot of projects going on at once. And so they shifted all that development internally to Japan. And we're like, we're going to work on fewer things with bigger ideals and we're going to take some risks. And so they made Resident Evil 7. And while Monster Hunter World comes out like a year or two after this, they were almost assuredly developed in some sort of tandem, right? And so they ride off the critical and commercial success of RE7 and then have another banger, like, immediately. (laughs) And then they release Monster Hunter World, which is their most profitable piece of media, period. Like, Monster Hunter World is one of the best-selling games on that platform and for Capcom, and it, like, I cannot wait for that sequel. So this is this is what happened. Uh, Capcom are now, like, in the best creative position they've ever been because they've got all their people, they've got the right, like, creative minds, they're taking really interesting uh, risks with properties that people love, and now they have the money to back it. And they're yeah. like do it again let's remake resident evil 2 and the moment i saw that re2 was getting a remake i was like oh hell yes give it to me and then it came out (laughs) 
<laughs> couple years go by. Uh, we get, you know, some very cool free stuff for Monster Hunter. But for the most part, Capcom is supporting Monster Hunter, working on a lot of different things. Resident Evil 2 Remake comes out in 2019, and it's glorious. Like, I love Resident Evil 7. I think Resident Evil 2 currently is my favorite, like, modern Resident Evil release, period. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean... I'm probably biased being that's that was my first one, but right. still I played I went back and played all the others and I, I don't think anything matches to remake for me. It's close. I, I really enjoyed like I think my other top ones are like eight and seven. I, I've really liked the recent ones. They mm-hmm. I'm sure some people like the classic style are not sure about the newer ones, but definitely for me, like I love what they've been doing. If you like classic zombie horror and genuinely think that there's an opportunity to have scares there resident evil 2 is probably the perfect zombie game the only thing that this game is lacking in my opinion is a horde mode without a timer i think if you had just a regular horde mode where you survived in a in a space and were given infinite amount of time i think that the game would literally be perfect because that's the only other thing you would want in a zombie game right is how long can i make it yeah man and it's it's so good like The reason I think Resident Evil 2, by comparison with the other games that they've released, is so noteworthy is because of all the extra things you can do once you beat the game. Again, you have four different routes, technically. You either start with Leon, start with Claire, and then follow up with either to get an A and B route. But you also have these DLC scenarios which talk about, like, Kendo, the the gun owner, owner. Um, various other characters, Hunk makes a return, and then you get tofu runs and, like, skins that are the PS1 models just injected into the into this game. Like, there's so many cool ways to play this. Absolutely. I mean, not even the tofu. There was, there's five, there's five different, like, versions of that, that run. You, yep. You get, like, flan, like, there, other tofu I can't think of off the top of my head. So what's funny is I, I beat this game mostly on Steam, right? Like, I did everything except for the hunk and the tofu run. But whenever the, the PlayStation version came out and they, like, upscaled the 4K and, or whatever on PS5, I actually reached out to a representative of Capcom and, like, I would love to take another crack at these in the 4K. And so I finally got to do that. Shoutouts to the people who supported me in that. Sorry. <laughs> I really should have done this way sooner. But so now we're taking like a collective look at this game and that's the version that i've been playing is the ps5 version which i play on a little 4k screen it looks great the lighting i think could be improved with an oled so maybe next time i get a a 4k i'm gonna pick up an oled because i play a lot of horror games but the the sound design in re2 remake is really what pushes it over the edge there's so many things you can do in that game with just sound alone and it's it genuinely made me jump, like, yesterday, and I, I know this game like the back of my hand, right? Yeah. I mean, even after 20 playthroughs, I, I've i beaten this game, like, 20 times. Yeah. I, I still jumped a few times because the zombie, they're never exactly in the same spot. A- every time, they're always somewhere different. And they're very sporadic. They're hard to, like, pin yeah. down. These are the best zombies in any game I've played. They're... They're unpredictable. The way they shamble is just mm-hmm. horrifying. Their faces are horrifying. You never know when you kill them, really. Yeah. Is there a way to know? I know that was a major complaint when the game first came out from uh, speedrunners. Uh, once they're down, if you take like a second and shoot them again, if you shoot them and they move, they'll get up. But like, usually you can tell they're dead because you'll shoot them, they'll fall, you shoot them or knife them again and they don't react. So but there's not, like, a definitive... Because in a lot of Resident Evils, you can count the bullets, right? Like, if yeah. I put 
three shots in the head with this weapon, they're done. And oh, then no, I can it's, use that it's to randomized. Yeah, it's that's, completely randomized. That's the one like mechanical criticism I've seen people really kind of harp on for this game. But because of that unpredictability, I think it makes for a really fascinating experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it was the same every time, it wouldn't be the same game. Right. If I knew, okay, I need this many bullets to take out this enemy and get through... It's like no, you you could you could come up to a zombie with five bullets and just be out, and you're out of luck. You need to either dodge or take a bite. And I did have my numbers backwards earlier. Uh, it's six million copies of RE2 across N64 and PS1. Eleven million so far. I think as of January 2023, even like Capcom released some sales information because they do they do just publicly share like estimates. That's not exact, and video game data is a very weird science, but over a mil- 11 million copies and probably a lot more on the way just because of how much longevity there is to these releases now. Because oh, yeah. what happens is somebody like you sits down, plays it, and thinks, this is incredible. What else is there? Yeah. And then here pretty soon, we're going to have the same dynamic with a game that sold way more and has way more influence, RE4. And a lot of reviewers have said, yep, this might be the best one they've done. Yeah. And so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, and you know, with the main character being Leon, is definitely a, there's going to be a sales spike of two as well. People like Leon. Yep. And RE2 is his origin, right? Like, this is yeah. the first time we see him canonically in the story. Weird story, by the way. Lore. Uh, <laughs> so, the lore in Resident Evil is wacky and fascinating, and I hope it's going in a particular direction after Village. Because there's, like, an eldritch thing that you discover that they're like, we're not sure where this thing comes from, but maybe it's what they use to make the T-Virus. And it's like, ooh, give me details on that. And I think generally that's what they're sprinkling through all of these remakes. But I want to see them do something with that and like commit to it. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think it's just funny because it's been going on for so long. They, they still just try to they, they don't they've never thrown away or given up on the story. They're going to continue trying to make this crazy yeah. amalgamation of events. Somehow still work together in a timeline. Don't jump into, like, if you're somebody who really likes narrative, don't jump into Resident Evil thinking you're going to get something beginning to end. Just go along for the ride. Like, do it like you do uh, other titles as far as, like, like the lore of Dead Space is similar, right? Like, I think it actually has a definitive end that's kind of satisfying, but in Resident Evil, they're, they're constantly contradicting themselves throughout the entire franchise. They're screwing up, like timeline shit all the time and so now these remakes kind of feel like there might be at least something that's fairly solid they're taking the opportunity to yeah keep things solid because i mean just even back then like it was just less common to really have a lot of this stuff kind of marked down and keeping continuity and that's just the overall lore the actual moment-to-moment drama the character things the you know the stakes are always really high Pretty much every game gives you some sort of dramatic way to end. Usually it's an explosion (laughs) because it's an action series. But if anything, you always get a definitive, like, ah, I did it feeling at the end of these. Yeah, absolutely. So you're looking for a very serious story. You you just got to go along with whatever they say or do, but they'll, they'll always make it enjoyable. Yeah. So Resident Evil 2, generally, as far as, like, historical importance, it's really fascinating to chart out just how far the publishing of Capcom's video games have has gone. And it's it's really fun to just even load up some of the older titles because no matter how you play them, you'll probably get something out of them. 
Like, I could argue that Mega Man Legends on the PS1 is still totally playable and holds up artistically, and not a lot of publishers get to say that. Even some of Capcom's earliest, earliest works, I'm talking NES shit, all of that is, like, weirdly representative of their respective platforms and still hold up. If you show somebody Mega Man 2 on the NES, which is coming, by the way, on this Game Study podcast, uh, it, it looks like a cool contemporary video game, right? Like, you know, the pixel art still looks fine. And I, and I think it just helps that they've... Mega Man may not be the best example, but they've kept a lot of the franchises around yeah. here alive and they've kept new entries and then it kind of, like... Just being able to go back and see that DNA is a little more appreciative than if I'm going back to an old game that doesn't have an ongoing legacy. Right. So is there anything in particular, because we've talked about the broad strokes a lot (laughs) as far as why we like Resident Evil 2 Remake. I think generally we can both agree that this is a fantastic release and we highly recommend it for anybody who's into not even horror, but just action games in general. It's a really good time. But is there anything in specifics that we haven't touched on that you really want to highlight? Well, I would just want to say my the way I would recommend it is just I I didn't even like horror games till I played this, and so even even if you do not like horror, I would say try it Mm because it is one of my favorite games of all time, and I went in not even enjoying the genre at all. But that's kind of how I would uh I would pitch the game. Yeah, and it's it's a game I think everyone should at least try yeah and this this new series that we're doing for this podcast is kind of off to a great start because our last one was near automata which is also a highly recommended video game i would argue that resident evil 2 is even more recommended as far as like the the amount of people in broad strokes that will find something cool in this is much larger than near oh yeah i mean i mean i don't i've played near i have no uh no authority to talk on that subject but just resident evil is a very very beginner friendly horror game and it there's a reason why it's selling those 10 million copies with every release it's just very accessible and a very solid horror game and what's also funny too is things in video games and media are very uh uh cyclical they go in cycles right i mean we see this even back in the the early 90s fads would come and go right that was the whole thing as a kid you could never keep up with the fads because the fads are always moving but in video games resident evil the original playstation release inspires the survival horror genre we get things like silent hill and and furthermore and then resident evil 4 comes out inspires the third person shooter genre and furthers that then we get resident evil 7 which was partially inspired by at least a little bit some of the the work that Kojima was doing on and the playable teaser and or maybe not inspired but at least you could make that comparison. Yeah, I've I've heard mixed things. Some people say it was, some people say it wasn't, but there's there's definitely some some stuff that aligns. Might be one of those coincidences where everybody's just kind of in the same wavelength around the same time. It happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, it definitely definitely can happen when you're people yeah. are being introduced to a lot of the same like dev kits and technology around the same right. time. They're mm-hmm. all kind of seeing what new stuff they can do. Yeah. So so, anyways, Resident Evil Seven inspires a whole like uptick of of horror titles, and then we get Resident Evil Two remake, and then three, and now four, and and now that we're looking down the barrel of four, there has been. The Metroid Prime remake, the Dead Space remake, like high budget horror games have really come into fashion once again. And it's absolutely because of what Capcom are doing at Resident Evil. 
I wasn't. I didn't know Metroid Prime was a horror game, but <laughs> it kind of feels like a horror game. At, but, at but either way, these the like Chozo ghosts are pretty scary. These uh, these big budget remakes are clearly making hand over fist. Oh yeah, Final Fantasy VII. Um, some of the biggest things we got going on in remakes, right? Like it's weird to me, but it's yeah, it's I really mean, exciting because I've liked most of them. I mean, it can be pretty safe. Although I'd say a lot a lot of these remakes. Particular ones haven't played it very safe. Final Fantasy VII didn't play it very safe. It went in a very different direction from what oh, I've yeah. heard. Mm-hmm. And RE4, we're already seeing a lot of different stuff. So they're not playing entirely safe, but I think that's kind of a way for them to have security with their game. They're like, we know this will probably do well because mm-hmm. people are nostalgic for it and it's already done well. So it's safe. And we can kind of experiment within those boundaries of the game. I'm appreciative that a lot of developers, when they're when they're tasked with this in particular, is that they want to create the feeling of playing the game at the time and not necessarily, like, the exact method of playing the game. So when you jump into something like the Dead Space remake or RE2, like, they're taking what you imagined or your impressions of the game at, like, a super young age or, you know, the the best pieces that people find the most memorable, and then making that in a modern lens. And I, I the whole process is fascinating to me, but Resident Evil is such a cool case study because the original games are so influential and still good. I mean, definitely had, uh, a lot of people would say they declined with around, like, 5 and 6 and stuff, but, like, mm-hmm. I think those games both hold up in their own ways. Yep. Just There aren't a lot of series you can say they've been along for as long as they have and still just have been high quality across pretty much right. 30 years. Now, one of the benefits in Capcom's favor right now with the the legacy titles is they've done a pretty good job keeping them going. And we're going to see this pretty soon with the Mega Man Battle Network collection, which has an online like competitive mode and shit. Like there's a lot of things that they're doing to preserve their legacy, which I always appreciate in, in publishers. Square Enix does this pretty well, but Capcom does this like really well. Yeah, they've, they've kind of figured everything out. Mm-hmm. Like when I when my when I sit down to at my computer, and I think to myself, I want to play Resident Evil Four. There are so many different ways to play that, oh, and yeah. that's awesome because if I have a Switch, I can throw it on the Switch. If I do it on my PC, there's a Steam version. There's usually like a lot of updates and stuff that are made by these developers for legacy games to make them either run better with modern hardware or have extra enhancements. Like, have you ever seen? uh quake or something in like ultra wide awesome that stuff is yeah. really cool yeah anyways like anyways a company can show that they respect the legacy and want to preserve their games yeah. it's something i'm completely uh in support of because i think even though a lot of sales trends still favor releases that are annual and are really like general i'm talking things like you know call of duty grand theft auto madden uh, Mario Kart, I, even. Some people probably wish Grand Theft Auto was uh, yearly. Well, it's more sure. like a yeah. decade. <laughs> Once a decade now. <laughs> Thank goodness there's a lot of, like, community-made content. Otherwise, that game would not be as, as popular as it is, I don't think. But these really, like, mass appeal games that sell multi-million copies, right? Like, even with that in mind, it feels like now more than ever, people have the ability and are encouraged to pick up games that are either older and have modern improvements or have been re-released or reported. Like, anytime that a game is made more available, I think ultimately it's just better for for players, right? Like, 
Yeah. You can jump into, like, GOG is such a great advocate for this. Like, a lot of their PC games, was their, their whole business model was just taking stuff, old abandoned things on PC and making them available and then, you know, adding the everything you would want for it right like the fact that the modding community is so readily accessible through like steam is wild <laughs> yeah it's, it's kind of crazy how much that stuff can just be done by fans Does, yep. doesn't even need official uh implementation don't tell them about it but you know thankfully capcom traditionally has been you know fairly uh relaxed as far as taking things down yeah, but uh, yeah, any chance they have to preserve it, I think a lot of companies just kind of realize we can resell this. Yeah. People will buy it and people we don't have to do much work. It's like, that's crazy. Yeah. That's, if you just make that. things available and there's a reason to play it, no matter what that reason is, people will, somebody somewhere will buy it. Yeah. And if you make that available to as many people as possible through a platform like Steam or adding extra languages or what have you, you can just rake in money indefinitely. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I mean, not not to say like porting stuff is just free. It's not, you don't just drag well, and sure. drop a file. But like, no, there's there's a lot yeah. of little things you gotta do to make that happen. And but, I, but relative to the cost that you're probably gonna yeah. get out of it, it's like, get get people on your games. Get get your right. old games on any store you can. There's and no I reason, really appreciate no reason not to. Uh especially for the Mega Man classics. Like a lot of those collections are really, really cool. And we just saw I haven't played this one, but people keep recommending it to me. Is the Atari collection is like a playable museum. And that's like the new innovative way to capture legacy content. Thank goodness we live in a world where emulation is still like existing and thriving because of platforms like the Steam Deck or like the Raspberry Pi or whatever. Because at the end of the day, when a release goes out, that needs to be available, I think, personally. Whether it's some random Super Nintendo ROM that most people forgot about, there's still value to that by its very nature, and that's the type of stuff that I like to pursue. And so, all to say, Resident Evil is better now than it's ever been, probably. And it's such a good time to jump into these games. You can get them on PS4. Technically, you can play RE2 on Switch. I don't recommend it because it's a cloud game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but these are all readily available. They're often on sale. You can buy them with all the DLC included. And I I really... I, I paid $2 yesterday, actually, to, uh, to get all the unlockables in RE2 because I already beat it on Steam and I didn't have the time, right? So I'm like, you know what? Two bucks, unlock all the things. I'm actually okay with that. <laughs> yeah. I might need to do that because I platinumed on a different PlayStation. Yeah. It wasn't on my account. So I'm like, oh, starting fresh. Right. Might Funny as well just get all my stuff back. I still haven't gotten a platinum. I have one on my account. We talked about this in the last episode because Gina beat Lego Star Wars in its entirety. And so that was my first platinum. Uh, but I mean, the platinum experience is a whole nother aspect to this, right? Like that was an enjoyable process for you, I imagine. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know if I platinumed any other game other than the RE3 remake, which I also platinumed. Yeah. I don't platinum games. That's not really something I've done a whole lot of. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll usually complete the game with the objectives in the game itself, but I've never right. really been an achievement hunter. But uh, yeah, with these games, I was looking for any reason to replay it again. So I mean, they really could add cool. more trophies if they want, and I'll go back in and uh, get those right, two. Right, yeah. Like, now, I, now I'm thinking on... Because I love the modding scene. I don't get to interact with it as much as I would like. But there's an upcoming mod that I think is pretty close to being done. And it's a Dark Souls 3 mod called, like, 
Arcvale or something, right? Like, it's a complete rework. They basically just took the Dark Souls 3 framework and made another Dark Souls 3 with all new monsters and shit. And I'm like, I want to play that. That sounds awesome. So I, I wonder, I wonder if this is available in Resident Evil. Like, I wonder how moddable the RE engine is. And they, there's rumors that the RE engine is kind of like showing its age. I kind of hope they just release that to the public. Because you know I've... what we're going to see first? Dino Crisis. Somebody's going to oh, yeah. make that shit somewhere. <laughs> if they're not Absolutely. already. I don't see, I don't know how like it, likely it is that Capcom will do that. But, you know, that, that would yeah. certainly be pretty nice to it, see everyone. If we're going to get another it, remake in this style... It'll either be Code Veronica or Dino Crisis. Those are the two most likely. But I think Code Veronica is the most logical ex- like next step. Yeah. I've, I've heard people throw around the idea of even redoing 5 and 6, but mm. kind of of the opinion there's nothing inherently wrong with it. The stuff that people don't like about those games are more just the full tone and core of the game. Right, yeah. Like, and how I, do still, you I still enjoy that? going through 5. Right, with like yeah. a co-op partner. It's still a fun co-op game. Mm-hmm. Just if people want it to be more in line with being horror and probably a little more serious, I just it's, that's a completely different game. At that point, just I'd rather have them just put more of their effort toward nine. There's certainly some undertones of uh, Resident Evil 5 and 6 that I'm not appreciative of, and there's a bit of that floating around for even the original Resident Evil 4 of like, you know, you're essentially a white savior that goes in and kills a bunch of foreign people. That's probably not great. Um, So that's the sort of thing, like, because that is an inherent part of Resident Evil 5, I think it's a lot harder to remake. Like, they would have to completely change how that game flows if they want to avoid that particular side of the criticism of that game. Um, yeah, it's and just, I don't think it's, it's worth it. I think you just leave a, it alone. <laughs> there's, it's a much bigger overhaul, and those games already don't have the, the just. Although their sales numbers are big, they don't right. have the legacy that four. There's not three or two a um, hundred million people being like, yeah, I would love to play Resident Evil Six again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, you put you put Resident Evil Two or Four on a game case, and it's like, well, you already made your sales, so yeah, just by the the general idea of it right like i feel like a lot of game purchases are made on the general idea if you're like i i love dead space i'm gonna of course i want to play the dead i feel like that's the last time i played dead space i feel like that's why we have re4 right now instead of code veronica it's just it's much more marketable just do this one first i wouldn't be surprised and this comes partially because of that huge leak that happened at Capcom a while back. And so a lot of the things that we saw in that initial leak probably five or six years ago, give or take, all of that is steadily coming true. So these things are built like with multiple year plans. It wouldn't surprise me if when they started with the concept of remaking RE2 that they were shooting for RE4. And so this whole time they've been building with the subconscious in mind of like, oh, we're getting pretty close to a really good one. And so, of course, when RE4 hits, it's got to be incredible, right? Like, they had to put everything they had into it. Oh, yeah, because they pulled, I think they had the team making, that worked, or at least the team that was working on 3 Remake, they started development on 4, and I'm pretty sure they pulled them off of the game and put the team from 2, 2 Remake, onto 4 Remake. Mm, so, so I think they saw always the re- have somebody working on 4. Yeah, so it, it seemed like they saw the reception, the 3 was mixed, and they they knew how important it was to get the RE4 remake right, and they pulled the team off and put the RE2 team, because that game was 
better received, and they put mm-hmm. that team on RE4. So they they definitely have been uh, trying to really make sure this game is as good as it is. And judging by Metacritic so far, it looks like it paid off. Yeah, and I mean, I don't put a whole lot of faith in Metacritic, but generally the reaction has been overwhelmingly positive. And even people who are like, kind of like, people like me and, and Justin and such, who have been in this for a really long time, and it's hard to surprise us sometimes, and it's hard to get through that fog of, oh man, next week I gotta play this other thing, or I gotta be done with this in like a day or two. Even those sorts of people. The tired, uh, just like day-to-day games journalist those folks are saying this is special and that means something i think like i cannot wait for this release i absolutely adore resident evil 2 i i like resident evil 3 a lot even though i don't like it nearly as much as 2 and i think that it's definitely a game worth checking out so to kind of wrap us up here check out resident evil but reese if people wanted to to find you, where might they do that? And while you're doing that, I'll look at the schedule for so people can prep. Well, if you want to find anything I do, you can either go to my Twitter, uh, reset at ResetYT, under dash YT. Or you can go to my YouTube channel. If you look up Reset, you'll probably, probably be the first result there, hopefully. And those are the main places you can usually find me. Of course, I also do content on the Forever Classic YouTube channel. So... If you watch something there, there's a good chance I either worked on it or at least made the thumbnail. So (laughs) anything there, anything of those three you can support is very much appreciated. Very cool. And of course, we can't recommend also with any of the authors that we have, we always encourage there being a little tip button. So if you're reading an article or if you're thinking, man, this Reese guy is kicking ass, throw him a fiver or something, buy him a coffee. Uh, We highly recommend that as we get into this like business phase, right, of of games media but ultimately you know we're gonna keep that ad free for you and and make it as clutter free as we can while also just doing things a little differently in games media coming up next for this particular game study show so if you want to play along the next episode is going to be Mega Man 2 on the nes a lot of us are going to be playing that i think on the legacy collection or through an emulator or something so anyway you can get that game check it out and then after that we're going to be hitting tunic which is a, a very classically minded game that's got a lot of really cool stuff in it. And I don't think most of us on the team has even played it at all or tried it out. So we're all really excited to give Tunic a like full pass. And then lastly, after that, we got Castlevania Symphony of the Night, fan favorite of the series. And we are really excited to revisit it and check out all the weird secrets. And then if you want a, a sneak peek at the, the bigger game that'll take a lot more time, We are eventually going to be talking about Final Fantasy IX on this show, and we hope to be hitting that sometime in the summer. So if you pick up the game now and play it sporadically over the next few months, you can finish it alongside us. But yeah, so if you're interested in what we're doing, check out foreverclassicgames.com. It is a clutter-free games and geek culture site that is completely free. You don't have to pay anything in order to read our stuff. And it's completely owned and operated independently there's no other companies involved it's just it's me and zach and a bunch of awesome volunteers so if you want to check us out find us uh you can check out that that youtube channel just look for forever classic games same with twitch and then on twitter it's forever x classic we're also on facebook instagram anywhere you might find a games media outlet we're probably there and then our podcasts come out every monday so if you're want to throw us into your rotation and your schedule we would love to have you and if you want to share that with a friend that would be even better so yeah stay cool play some games i'm alex this was reese 
we're this was a great chat, man. First off, yeah, enjoyed being here. And Could always talk more about Resident Evil too. Yeah, we'll we'll have you on future podcasts <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right, so y'all have a damn good one, and we'll see you next time.